0: section twenty five masterpieces of negro eloquence edited by alice dunbar nelson this librivox recording is in the public domain a defense of the negro race by hon george h white member of congress from north carolina mr chairman i want to enter a plea for the colored man the colored woman the colored boy and the colored girl of this country i would not thus digress from the question at issue and detain the house in a discussion of the interests of this particular people at this time but for the constant and the persistent efforts of certain gentlemen upon this floor to mould and rivet public sentiment against us as a people and to lose no opportunity to hold up the unfortunate few who commit crimes and depredations and lead lives of infamy and shame as other races do as fair specimens of representatives of the entire colored race and at no time perhaps during the fifty-sixth congress were these charges and counter charges containing as they do slanderous statements more persistently magnified and pressed upon the attention of the nation than during the consideration of the recent reapportionment bill which is now a law As stated some days ago on this floor by me i then sought diligently to obtain an opportunity to answer some of the statements made by gentlemen from different states but the privilege was denied me and i therefore must embrace this opportunity to say out of season perhaps that which i was not permitted to say in season in the catalogue of members of congress in this house perhaps none have been more persistent in their determination to bring the black man into disrepute and with a labored effort to show that he was unworthy of the right of citizenship than my colleague from north carolina mr kitchen during the first session of this congress while the constitutional amendment was pending in north carolina he labored long and hard to show that the white race was at all times and under all circumstances superior to the negro by inheritance if not otherwise and the excuse for his party supporting that amendment which has since been adopted was that an illiterate negro was unfit to participate in making the laws of a sovereign state and the administration and execution of them but an illiterate white man living by his side with no more or perhaps not as much property with no more exalted character no higher thoughts of civilization no more knowledge of the handicraft of government had by birth because he was white inherited some peculiar qualification clear i presume only in the mind of the gentleman who endeavoured to impress it upon others that entitled him to vote though he knew nothing whatever of letters it is true in my opinion that men brood over things at times which they would have exist until they delude themselves and actually sometimes honestly believe that such things do exist i would like to call the gentleman's attention to the fact that the constitution of the united states forbids the granting of any title of nobility to any citizen thereof and while it does not in letters forbid the inheritance of this superior caste i believe in the fertile imagination of the gentleman promulgating it his position is at least in conflict with the spirit of that organic law of the land he insists and i believe has introduced a resolution in this house for the repeal of the fifteenth amendment to the constitution it would be unfair however for me to leave the inference upon the minds of those who hear me that all of the white people of the state of north carolina hold views with mr kitchen and think as he does thank god there are many noble exceptions to the example he sets that too in the democratic party men who have never been afraid that one uneducated poor depressed negro could put to flight and chase under degradation two educated wealthy thrifty white men there never has been nor ever will be any negro domination in that state and no one knows it any better than the democratic party it is a convenient howl however often resorted to in order to consummate a diabolical purpose by scaring the weak and gullible whites into support of measures and men suitable to the demagogue and the ambitious office seeker whose craving for office overshadows and puts to flight all other considerations fair or unfair as i stated on a former occasion this young statesman has ample time to learn better and more useful knowledge than he has exhibited in many of his speeches upon this floor and i again plead for him the statute of youth for the wild and spasmodic notions which he has endeavoured to rivet upon his colleagues and this country but i regret that mr kitchen is not alone upon this floor and these peculiar notions advanced i refer to another young member of congress hailing from the state of alabama mr underwood it is an undisputed fact that the negro vote in the state of alabama as well as most of the other southern states has been effectively suppressed either one way or the other in some instances by constitutional amendment and state legislation in others by cold-blooded fraud and intimidation but whatever the method pursued it is not denied but frankly admitted in the speeches in this house that the black vote has been eliminated to a large extent then when some of us insist that the plain letter of the constitution of the united states which all of us have sworn to support should be carried out as expressed in the second section of the fourteenth amendment thereof that section makes the duty of every member of congress plain and yet the gentleman from alabama mr underwood says that the attempt to enforce this section of the organic law is the throwing down of firebrands and notifies the world that this attempt to execute the highest law of the land will be retaliated by the south and the inference is that the negro will be even more severely punished than the horrors through which he has already come let me make it plain the divine law as well as most of the state laws says in substance he that sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed a highwayman commits murder and when the officers of the law undertake to arrest try and punish him commensurate with the enormity of his crime he straightens himself up to his full height and defiantly says to them let me alone i will not be arrested i will not be tried i'll have none of the execution of your laws and in the event you attempt to execute your laws upon me i will see to it many more men women or children are murdered here is the plain letter of the constitution the plain simple sworn duty of every member of congress yet these gentlemen from the south say yes we have violated your constitution of the nation we regarded it as a local necessity and now if you undertake to punish us as the constitution prescribes we will see to it that our former deeds of disloyalty to that instrument our former acts of disfranchisement and opposition to the highest law of the land will be repeated manifoldly not content with all that has been done to the black man not because of any deeds that he has done mr Underwood advances the startling information that these people have been thrust upon the whites of the south forgetting perhaps the horrors of the slave trade the unspeakable horrors of the transit from the shores of africa by means of the middle passage to the american clime the enforced bondage of the blacks and their descendants for two and a half centuries in the united states now for the first time perhaps in the history of our lives the information comes that these poor helpless and in the main inoffensive people were thrust upon our southern brethren if the gentleman to whom i have referred will pardon me i would like to advance the statement that the musty records of eighteen sixty eight filed away in the archives of southern capitals as to what the negro was thirty-two years ago is not a proper standard by which the negro living on the threshold of the twentieth century should be measured since that time we have reduced the illiteracy of the race at least forty five per cent we have written and published near five hundred books we have nearly three hundred newspapers three of which are dailies we have now in practice over two thousand lawyers and a corresponding number of doctors we have accumulated over twelve million dollars worth of school property and about forty million dollars worth of church property we have about a hundred and forty thousand farms and homes valued at in the neighborhood of seven hundred and fifty million dollars and personal property valued at about a hundred and seventy million dollars we have raised about eleven million dollars for educational purposes and the property per capita for every colored man woman and child in the united states is estimated at seventy five dollars we are operating successfully several banks commercial enterprises among our people in the southland including one silk mill and one cotton factory we have thirty two thousand teachers in the schools of the country we have built with the aid of our friends about twenty thousand churches and support seven colleges seventeen academies fifty high schools five law schools five medical schools and twenty five theological seminaries we have over six hundred thousand acres of land in the south alone the cotton produced mainly by black labor has increased from four million six hundred and sixty nine thousand seven hundred and seventy bales in eighteen sixty to eleven million two hundred thirty five thousand in eighteen ninety nine all this we have done under the most adverse circumstances we have done it in the face of lynching burning at the stake with the humiliation of jim crow cars the disfranchisement of our male citizens slander and degradation of our women with the factories closed against us no negro permitted to be conductor on the railway cars whether run through the streets of our cities or across the prairies of our great country no negro permitted to run as engineer on a locomotive most of the mines closed against us labor unions carpenters painters brick masons machinists hackmen and those supplying nearly every conceivable avocation for livelihood have banded themselves together to better their condition but with few exceptions the black face has been left out the negroes are seldom employed in our mercantile stores at this we do not wonder some day we hope to have them employed in our own stores with all these odds against us we are forging our way ahead slowly perhaps but surely you tie us and then taunt us for a lack of bravery but one day we will break the bonds you may use our labor for two and a half centuries and then taunt us for our poverty but let me remind you we will not always remain poor you may withhold even the knowledge of how to read god's word and learn the way from earth to glory and then taunt us for our ignorance but we would remind you that there is plenty of room at the top and we are climbing after enforced debauchery with the many kindred horrors incident to slavery it comes with ill grace from the perpetrators of these deeds to hold up the shortcomings of some of our race to ridicule and scorn the new man the slave who has grown out of the ashes of thirty-five years ago is inducted into the political and social system cast into the arena of manhood where he constitutes a new element and becomes a competitor for all its emoluments he is put upon trial to test his ability to be counted worthy of freedom worthy of the elective franchise and after thirty-five years of struggling against almost insurmountable odds under conditions but little removed from slavery itself he asks a fair and just judgment not of those whose prejudice has endeavoured to forestall to frustrate his every forward movement rather those who have lent a helping hand that he might demonstrate the truth of the fatherhood of god and the brotherhood of man now mr Chairman, before concluding my remarks i want to submit a brief recipe for the solution of the so-called american negro problem he asks no special favors but simply demands that he be given the same chance for existence for earning a livelihood for raising himself in the scales of manhood and womanhood that are accorded to kindred nationalities treat him as a man go into his home and learn of his social conditions learn of his cares his troubles and his hopes for the future gain his confidence open the doors of industry to him let the word negro colored and black be stricken from all the organizations enumerated in the federation of labor help him to overcome his weaknesses punish the crime committing class by the courts of the land measure the standard of the race by its best material cease to mould prejudicial and unjust public sentiment against him and my word for it he will learn to support hold up the hands of and join in with that political party that institution whether secular or religious in every community where he lives which is destined to do the greatest good for the greatest number obliterate race hatred party prejudice and help us to achieve nobler ends greater results and become more satisfactory citizens to our brother in white this mr chairman is perhaps the negro's temporary farewell to the american congress but let me say phoenix like he will rise up some day and come again these parting words are in behalf of an outraged heart-broken bruised and bleeding but god-fearing people faithful industrious loyal people rising people full of potential force Mr. Chairman, in the trial of Lord Bacon, when the court disturbed the counsel for the defendant, Sir Walter Raleigh raised himself up to his full height in addressing the court, said, Sir, I am pleading for the life of a human being. The only apology that I have to make for the earnestness with which I have spoken is that I am pleading for the life, the liberty, the future happiness, and manhood, suffrage for one-eighth of the entire population of the United States. End of section 25.